0: Well, hello, friends. Grace and peace of our Lord and Savior Christ Jesus be with you. Welcome to Sermons from the Mount podcast. My name is Pastor Mark O'Neill. I currently serve as the pastor of Mount at United Methodist Church in Manio, North Carolina. Each week, we will post here audio recordings of the sermons that I preach from that church. Hope this one is a blessing to you. God bless. Take care. Our sermon text this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, the 13th chapter. We're going to take a look at verses 31 through 35. So again, this is the Gospel of Luke, chapter 13, verses 31 through 35. It says, At that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to him, Jesus, My friends, this is the word of God for you and I, the children of God. Thanks be to God. Some of you already know this, but for those that don't, about a month or so ago, the track coach at the high school called me and asked, if I'd be willing to help out this year. After talking to a few folks, I said yes, and so for the past three or four weeks, I've been coaching the distance runners for the high school track team. For me, it's very much a form of outreach. It allows me to engage with young men and women I normally would not see, give them what I hope is a positive role model and try to be a positive influence on their lives for the little bit of time that I am with them. I'm allowed to come up with my own practice plans and one thing that I like to do with them to break the monotony of constantly running laps around the track is to go on long runs off campus. One of our favorite ones to do is to start at campus and run to Island Farm and come back, run a loop around the ball fields and that puts us at right about three miles. Now on days that we do this particular course, I always go out and run with them. And I think they enjoy that I'm running with them, that I'm able to put in a little work alongside them, that I care enough not to ask them to do anything I am not also willing to do myself. But it's not all camaraderie building. One of the reasons I run with them is that I need to make sure that they come back. (laughs) I mean, I'm responsible for these eight kids, and I need to make sure that they don't treat this long run outside of the view of the coaches as an opportunity to goof off and not do the work, so I run with them. And you might be saying, well surely not. Surely kids will not treat practice out of sight of the coaches, off campus (laughs) as an opportunity for shenanigans. And I say, yes, they would. And I know from experience, if you let me indulge you in a little story, I ran cross country in high school. you guys know Michael Brent, our mission to Croatia, Argent Spake's son-in-law? His dad was my coach. It shows you what a small world it is. Well, during the season, every so often, Coach Brent had this long seven-mile run he called the Ziegler Run. It was a seven-mile circle, basically, that started at campus and ran seven miles until he got back to campus. And it was called the Ziegler Run because the road we were on for most of that seven miles was Ziegler Road. We did it about every four or five weeks, and we hated it. We'd ask him every day before practice, Hey, coach, what are we going to do today in practice? And there were occasions where he would just look at you, he'd crack a wry, wry smile, and he'd simply say, Ziegler. <laughs> and I swear he always waited for the hottest day of the week to do it. Now, my buddies and I, we were fairly enterprising young lads, and what we noticed is that about a mile or so into the run, we crossed over a pair of train tracks then, as we made the loop around, and we got about a mile or so from the finish, we also passed over a pair of train tracks. So picture it. The path is a circle. And right here's a set of train tracks. And right here's a set of train tracks. Friends, I believe that's referred to as a shortcut. So we made a plan. The next time we had to run the Ziggler, we're gonna try it and see what happened. And it worked beautifully. Our seven mile run ended up being about a three mile run and boy, we thought that we were on to something. What we didn't plan on was this. We had a guy on our team that was one of the best runners in the state. He ended up getting an offer to run track in cross country at Carolina. And I think what puzzled Coach Brent the most was this. How is it that this guy who is all county, all conference, all region, all state finishes this Ziegler run and is completely worn out and exhausted and then these four yahoos finish and they look like they were just out for a nice Sunday stroll. So about a month later, Hey, coach, what are we doing at practice today? Ziegler. My buddies and I look at each other. Yeah. So we head out on this run, and we get to the train tracks about a mile or so in, and we turn off the course, and we start walking down the train tracks, basking in just how smart we are to figure this thing out. Don't get ahead of me just yet. And as we come to the pair of tracks that hook back up with the course about a mile or so before school, guess who is standing there with his arms crossed, an icy stare burning a hole throughout all of us. Now, I don't know the exact words that he said that day. But what I do remember is that he gave us all a lesson on what it means to be obedient to authority. To listen to authority. What it means to work hard. What it means to see a task through. That there are no shortcuts and that ultimately that he can't make us want to be better. That he can set the path out before us and tell us what it is that we're all supposed to be doing but then each of us has to decide for ourselves if we want to listen and follow or retreat to what is comfortable and easy. Have you ever had a coach or a parent or a teacher, or someone in your life give you a similar talking to? Ever thought about how these lessons should apply to your faith? Friends, in our scripture this morning, Jesus models for us in words and deeds what obedience and trust in God and following the path laid out for each and every one of us looks like. It starts telling us that at that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to him, Get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. Isn't that nice of the Pharisees? (laughs) To be so worried of Jesus' safety that they advised him to get away. We don't believe that, do we? They weren't concerned with Jesus' safety, friends. They just wanted Jesus gone. They just wanted him to get out. They were tired of hearing from him about how wrong they were, and mistaken they were, and sinful they were, and how they needed to change and live lives that were more holy, and so instead of listening to Jesus, they just wanted Jesus to be as far away from them as possible. And already friends, you and I in this first verse have a lesson, and it's a lesson in regards to group think. Who do you surround yourself with? then collectively, who do you listen to? What do you use to filter your decisions through? I note that it says here, some Pharisees, meaning it's a group. And there's power and comfort in being part of a group, isn't it? But that makes it harder and harder to chart your own path as an individual. Even when you know the group is in the wrong. At any point during those cross-country practices, I could have said, hey, guys, maybe we should listen to Coach. Hey, guys, maybe we should do what Coach says. Or, guys, this this isn't right at all. But I did. And you and I, we know about Nicodemus, but you ever wonder if there were any other Pharisees that wanted to follow Jesus and wanted to listen to Jesus, but they didn't? Because it was easier just to listen to and be part of the crowd that they were around? Similarly, how many times have we all been in a group setting that then turned to gossip? Or then turned to demeaning conversations about one of God's beloved? Or turned to sexist or racist jokes? Or drinking to excess or drug use? Things we know are wrong, and yet instead of being influenced by Jesus, we allow ourselves to be influenced by the group. We don't want to think about how wrong it is or how much of a mistake it is or how sinful it is and how we shouldn't be doing it. So we too, then, by our actions, we just want Jesus to go. We just want Jesus to get away. Jesus, go over there. We'd rather be obedient to groupthink than obedient to Jesus. Rather be obedient to what is popular than obedient to Jesus. Rather be obedient to what is easy than obedient to Jesus. So my friends this morning, who are you obedient to? Jesus is obedient to God. He turns to these Pharisees and says, You go tell that fox that I ain't quitting That's a paraphrase. Jesus is determined to follow the path that God has laid out for him, and that path ends, in a way, in Jerusalem. Jesus is not going to listen to the Pharisees. Jesus is not going to listen to Herod. Jesus is not going to listen to those that promise safety in exchange for acquiescence to earthly rulers. Jesus is only going to listen to God. Jesus is only going to do what is right in God's eyes. Jesus is going to stay obedient to God, knowing that the path he is walking is not going to be easy. Jesus is going to stay obedient to God, knowing that the path that he is walking is going to find those shouts of, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, quickly being replaced with shouts of, Crucify him. Crucify him all in the span of just a few days. Yet Jesus persists. Today, tomorrow, and the next day, he says, I'm going to be casting out demons and performing miracles and curing people. Now, there is some debate as to whether the reference here to the third day points to the resurrection, but what there is no debate about in this story is that Jesus is modeling for us what that long obedience in the same direction looks like. That you and I have talked about a number of times here now. He's not stopping. He's not quitting. And for you and I, that is good news. Because what that means is that Jesus is not stopping or quitting on any of us. Jesus is obedient to God. What that means then is that he goes to that cross to take on every one of our sins. Yours. Yours. Mine, the whole world. He takes our punishment to give all of us the chance, the opportunity to have a relationship with our Creator for all eternity. Regardless of our cracks, regardless of our dings or dents, regardless of our mistakes and wrong turns, we don't have to be perfect in order to come to Him, and He knows that. He knows that thing you said that you shouldn't have, and yet He goes. He knows that thing that you've done that you shouldn't have, and yet He goes. He knows that thing you thought that you shouldn't have, and yet He goes. He goes to Jerusalem for you, for me, in order to gather up all of God's children like a mother hen to offer us protection and safety from the foxes known as sin and death. And yet, you were not willing. Behold, your house is forsaken. Other translations say your house is left abandoned, or your house is left empty, or your temple is left desolate. What Jesus is recognizing here is that though God's plan is to save everybody, some are not willing to come along. Though the offer of salvation is for all, not everybody will accept it. This long obedience in the same direction will be too tough and folks will be looking for shortcuts. Why? Because they aren't open to the indwelling and working of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus is speaking here of forsaken houses or abandoned houses or empty houses or desolate temples, I think he means those folks who have not allowed the Holy Spirit to fill their hearts and minds. And I cannot stress to you enough how much our obedience to God relies upon the power of the Holy Spirit. In and of our own strength, friends, we can't do it. We aren't good enough. I don't care what your grandma may have told you. We aren't good enough on our own to be obedient to God and withstand the power of temptation absent the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life. We just aren't. But thanks be to God that the Holy Spirit is given to us freely and without us doing a single thing to earn it the moment we come to recognize Jesus as our Lord, as our Savior, and as our King. Once we receive the Holy Spirit, then we set about giving more and more of our lives over to Him. More and more of our thoughts, more and more of our words, more and more of our actions are given to the Holy Spirit to act as correction and conviction as we grow more and more into Christ-like persons this is what sanctification is all about. It's about allowing the Holy Spirit within us to constantly be about the work of straightening and strengthening us and expanding the ways we love the Lord our God with our heart, mind, soul, and strength and increasing our love for our neighbor. What does this look like, you might ask? I'm not one that believes in chance, but while I was working on this sermon, Ed Bethay sent me a text. And there's a quote that had been going around in his mind for a few days, it seems, from an author that he reads. And it says this, the author said, A nun I know once told me she kept begging God to take her character defects away from her. After years of this prayer, God finally got back to her and said, I'm not going to take anything away from you, you have to give it to me. I'm not going to take anything away from you. You have to give it to me. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Showing us those parts of our character we need to let go of. Showing us those parts of our lives that we need to let go of. What character defects, friend, do you have right now that you need to work on? What is it in your life that you need to let go of and give to God? Because that door into the kingdom is a narrow one yeah it's open to everybody but it's narrow in fact if you go just a few verses before what we read together we see jesus telling us what exactly happens to those of us who live lives of disobedience he says in verse 24 of this same chapter strive to enter through the narrow door for many i tell you will seek to enter and will not be able When once the master of the house has risen and shut the door and you begin to stand outside and knock at the door saying, Lord, open to us, then he will answer you, I do not know where you come from. This is what happens when our faith is a show. This is what happens when our witness is not authentic. This is what happens when we live lives not powered by the Holy Spirit. Yeah, you can come to church and volunteer and do all the right things, but what is the intent of your heart? Is it Holy Spirit-driven or is it ego-driven? Anybody in here ever walked into a door? Why did it happen? It's because you were distracted, right? You weren't paying attention. So I think we ask ourselves today what? What do we allow to distract us in our walk towards that door that's going to prevent us from walking in? And friends, obedience to God is also about knowing that when the tough times come, and they will, that we can find strength, peace, and protection in Jesus. It's easy to be obedient when the times are good and things are easy, isn't it? But when things become hard, when things get tough, when our obedience is put to the test, friends, I want you to know, be comforted in knowing that the Holy Spirit that dwells within us is there to help lead us to our Savior's protection, peace, and quiet rest. Let me encourage you, friends, to get into the practice of praying for the presence of the Holy Spirit each day when you wake up. Pray that the Holy Spirit guides you in all you think, all you say, and all you do. Pray that the Holy Spirit show you those things you need to give up or give to God. Pray that the Holy Spirit be with you when you read your Bible and do your devotions. Pray that the Holy Spirit give you strength to stay obedient to God, because each day, friends, you and I have a choice to be obedient to God or be obedient to the world. dear sisters and brothers, Jesus walked this path to Jerusalem for you. He stayed obedient to God's plan for you. He offers to you life abundant and a peace that passes all understanding should you and I, empowered by the Holy Spirit, stay obedient to the one that knit us together in our mother's wounds. The question before us this morning, friends, is this. Are you willing? In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. Until next time, God bless. Take care.